This is episode two of the Rising Man podcast with Javon Langford. Run that track. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to today's show. I am so excited to share this interview with you guys. I'm bringing a very, very special man on the show today, a good friend of mine and a really powerful man out in the world right now. His name is Javon Langford. For those of you who don't know him, he is an empowerment coach and a global speaker. He is the founder of Choose Higher International, which is a global personal transformation agency that offers transformational experiences, workshops, and seminars for both men and women. He's the founder of a nonprofit organization called The Mentor that's based out of LA that produces social and emotional and character development workshops for middle school boys. And his overall mission is to curate content, communities, and conversations that empower people to live and lead their best lives. In this episode, you guys, we jump into some incredible things, including how to take care of the boy that lives inside of every man, every man's search for what it is to be a man, and how to live your legacy now before it's too late. Hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. Let's jump right in. Hey, Javon, man, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's such an honor to have you on the show, and I can't wait for you to drop some wisdom on these fellas. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here, brother, especially to, to collaborate with you in another capacity. It's always an honor to spend time with you and to, to be able to dive deep, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, we, we've known each other for, I guess, going on three years now, and it seems like it's been a short time and a long time at the same time. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So tr- Truly an honor to take some time here to dive a little bit deeper than than we typically do. And, um, you know, I see you as a person who has such a tremendous story to share. You do it in so many different capacities with your YouTube channels, your social media, and the workshops you've been developing. Um, and, and what I'd like to do before we get into any of that is to start by asking you a question I've been asking a lot of people now is to you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Wow, such a powerful question uh, and, and something that I think I, I've been dancing with for the last five years of my life. And I feel like the boy lives within the man. And I feel that it's our duty or at least my duty and responsibility to find a way to invite the boy to hold hands with the man and for them to be in relationship with one another. I think in different cases, the boy will show up under certain circumstances and, and otherwise the man will show up. And for me, we could just go real deep, real quick, and, and I can only speak mm-hmm. from my experience, is that in every area of my life, Jenny, we can give the audience some context here in a minute, but in every area of my life, I feel like I show up as the man, except for intimacy. I show up as the boy. Mm-hmm. And I know that a big part of that is that I never matured in that area. And I think I delayed and denied, de- denied a lot of my maturity just based off of experiences that I had. But I think most boys don't turn into men, they turn into big boys. Mm. And that's one of the issues in my experience with the world right now is that a lot of the, the challenges, like the big things, war, you know, gun violence, uh, homelessness, sex trafficking, like the big, big issues that we're dealing with as a, as, a, as a global community are the result of dysfunctional men. And men are dysfunctional because they're at war within themselves because that boy is screaming and crying and kicking to be seen and to be heard and to be acknowledged. And the boy mm. never... And, and in very rare cases ever 
is given the opportunity to forge a relationship with man. Wow, that's that's a really powerful perspective on it, and and one that I'm sure a lot of people will have to chew on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wonder on that topic, could you say a little bit more about um, what are some of the defining characteristics between a boy and a man? Like, how do you know if you're showing up as the boy or showing up as the man? You know, I, I say every man is not a man until he knows his boy. I don't think the man we become men until we have an understanding of our boy. And I think me at, at age 30, I'm just now understanding the importance of developing and, and evolving that relationship. And, and, and what I mean by that is actively engaging the boy and inviting him to play and inviting him to speak and giving, giving voice to what he's feeling and what he's experiencing. And I, I think that the major difference between the boy and the man is that the world is the world is crying for the man and the man is crying for the boy and and i I think it's like this it's almost like this vicious cycle of we're all pulling from the boy we want we all need the boy the boy needs the man the world needs the the man needs a boy and the world needs the man and it all really stems from that boy and if we never go back to the boy i i think we don't have men you know and i I think as a man, I think the biggest conversation we find ourselves in is the difference between being a man and then being good at being a man. And I've mm-hmm. been in that dance for the entirety of my life too, is, you know, there's, there's, there's being a man and there's being the man that you were meant to be. You know, for me, I grew up in a household with a lot of feminine energy. And so the very foundation of my being, I, I come from the feminine. I'm often, you know, soft-spoken and, and grounded and connected and present. I'm a generous listener. I love, I'm a, I'm a touchy-feely guy. I, I, I like to connect. I'm tactile. And a lot of that comes from my upbringing. And I think for the majority of, of my life, I've danced with how can I be more masculine? How, how do I... How do I how do I master the masculine? How do I how do I perfect this and 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 feel like a man because the man that I am doesn't seem to ever be enough for the world. It never never seems to be enough for a relationship. It never seems to be enough, you know, for friendships and, and brothers in my life. And I, I've danced with that, and finally, just now embracing the fact that I know my boy that much better, and I've embraced my man that much more. And the, the forging of that relationship has made a world of difference for me from financially, spiritually, sexually, emotionally, um, and mentally, most importantly. Mm. Yeah, and it's been beautiful to witness your journey in the time that I've known you and also to understand the backstory from which you came and in this journey from a much more feminine influence in your life and, and, and finding and reclaiming your masculine uh, self. And so why don't you fill in the blanks a little bit for those people who are listening and don't know your story, the highlights of, you know, from, from how you were brought up, how you were raised and how it led to what you're doing in the world right now. 100%. I, th- I think it's super important to give some context, some broad strokes here. So I grew up on the East coast. I'm, I'm an East coast cat. I, I joke and say I was, I was born in the, east and i was buttered in the west <laughs> um, I grew up there i was raised i was born to a, a teenage mother who was 16 when she was pregnant with me you know my mother ended up losing my father my father passed away when i was three years old to leukemia my mother who's 19 now with two kids of course turns to some type of outlet to be able to cope with the loss of a love of her life and she turned to drugs unfortunately and for the entirety of my life she struggled with drugs and alcohol and you know, still working through that. And, and I, I think 
in that transition, it was one of the biggest shifts for me as a young man, you know, being five or six years old and now being in foster care. And I was raised in foster care and then legally adopted by my grandmother uh, who took on me and two of my sisters. I'm the oldest of five kids and I'm the only boy. So I grew up in a very effeminate household and I became very effeminate as a kid and was teased and bullied profusely between middle school, I say between fourth grade and, and high school, well until I graduated and just had this huge question mark that I carried on my back. And it, it was the biggest burden of who am I? Who am I in school? Who am I in home? Who am I in community? Who am I in, with friends? Who am I generally speaking? And I felt like I was always becoming something else for someone else, for someone else. And I never had any roots as far as identity, as, as far as identity went. And so I was not growing because if you're not rooted, nothing can grow. And I think a big part of my journey from boyhood to manhood has been answering that question. I think a lot of men are really up against that same conversation. You know, how do I show up authentically and in a way that I'll be received by people because we want to be seen and to be heard as, as young men and grown men. And I think, you know, most boys grow up in households where they're not seen or heard and they spend the entirety of their lives seeking to be seen and heard at work, seeking to be seen and heard in relationships, seeking to be seen in uh, everywhere they go. Mm -hmm. Everywhere they go, because they never have had that, you know, affirmation, you know, from, from, from home, from the home. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, one of the things that always touches me about your story is the fact that you lost your father at such a young age. And so to me, that, that puts the attention on the absence of a masculine presence in your life. But there was, there was, I'm sure there were still men in your life. So what was the masculine presence like that was actually there for you? Yeah, you know, and, and on my journey and in and, and my trials and tribulations, I also went on an excursion to kind of ease the pain, ease the wounds, the shame and guilt that I carried. And I, I turned to sports. I played basketball. And that was like one of the greatest outlets ever where I got to actually engage with other guys who are my age and who are going through some of the same experiences as me and kind of watch from the sidelines on their mannerisms and watch how they talked, how they communicated and how they connected with each other, how they acknowledged each other or didn't acknowledge each other. And I, although I was with the guys, I never really felt like one of them. I kind of had this running story that I wasn't masculine. I wasn't going to be one of them until I fill in the blank. And I always found something to fill in that blank. And that blank actually created a blank inside of me, a void that I've been trying to fill for the, that I spent most of my life, most of my 20s trying to fill. And I found my identity in sport. And because I went from not playing any sports to playing basketball and then becoming pretty good at the sport, I began being acknowledged as an athlete. And then I had this identity. I'm the tall black basketball player so then I played football and then I ran track and I you know even even considered trying out for soccer and baseball I wanted to do everything because it was only during the season that I had an identity and when the season ended nobody knew who I was Jetty it was mm -hmm. it was I remember going through you know a slight depression when the season ended each year all right, goes here. It goes go back to not having any friends, not getting invited to any parties, and it was like this horrific up and down. It was like this. It was the ebbs and flows of, of of finding one's identity. It was one of the greatest challenges I've experienced, which is why I speak into this so much.
Yeah, and that's and that's such a big thing. I, I think in the work we've done with younger people, especially young males, there's this pursuit that we all share to try and figure out what is it that is going to make me a man. And you know just as well as I do that it's not so much about what anyone else is telling you. It's about really honoring that true voice inside and in a way that only a man really can once he's figured out who he is. So that, right. that identity journey is, is such a pivotal one. And um, there, are, there are so many young people that tie it to sports or physicality because it's easy to look at big football players and basketball players, you know, slamming the ball down and say, hey, that, that looks masculine. So I get it, man. I, I totally understand that journey and can appreciate it. Um, I'd like to use that as actually a transition point into something I know you've spoken a lot about in your work and in your mission. And it's this word legacy. I love Ooh. that word. It's such Ooh. a powerful word. But I think that there's a lot of people out there that don't really know quite what that means. So could you just go ahead first and define what legacy is to you? You know, if you, if you look up legacy in, in the dictionary, in Meridian or, or Webster's Dictionary, it, it comes up as the amount of money or property left to someone in a will. Uh, or, or a, a thing handed down by a predecessor. Like, and it's always something that's left behind. It's never spoken as something that's lived through. And my, where I am right now, I'm not ever knowing my dad, losing my dad at three and having no recollection of how he walked or how he spoke or his energy, or if he was funny. I have no memories whatsoever. I've got about three or four photos of my father and none of which he's holding me. And so I've had to really use my imagination and I realized, wow, you know, just to do a little bit of a sidebar here, I was reflecting recently and thinking, my dad passed away at 29 years old. He was diagnosed with leukemia and he had six month window before he passed away. He didn't take any photos, he didn't write any letters, he didn't create any, but he didn't do anything to leave anything behind to me. He left nothing behind as far as I'm concerned, you know? And then what I realized is I had this, deep ping of, of anger, like in the side of my stomach. And I thought, hmm, okay, I can, I can use that narrative or I can create another one. Maybe he was so disappointed in the fact that he wasn't going to be here that he knew not what to do. That's why, you know, I shifted mm -hmm. the narrative. But I, I dive into identity and legacy because when you know who you are, then you know the value that you are to the world, to a market, to a community. And then you can not only live you leave a legacy, but you can live it. And most people get to the end of their lives and they want to start a nonprofit. They want to turn 55 and they want to retire. And they, well, they want to start buying property. They want to leave this to their son or to their children. And I thought, man, how powerful would it be is if I started living a legacy, I started living the dream and creating something that I could experience the fruits of my labor. Legacy is, is to, it, for me is to be able to experience the fruits of one's labor now to live mm. and love and lead from the heart. And I think there's this, this wave of entrepreneurship that's happening right now of coaches, of, of um, you know, health coaches and life coaches and business coaches. Coaching has been, is, the market has blown open the last 10 years and it's completely saturated. And, and what I've realized is that it's important for me to understand where I'm different. And if, because if I don't know where I'm different, then people cannot and will not pursue me for that difference. And so a lot of the, the work that I do is spending on getting clear as to my story. Who am I? I've gone back to that question and discovered what that is. And I'm, I'm so many things that, that, that human is not, is what I've discovered. But I feel like my gift is to teach people how to live, love, and to lead from the heart. 
and I, and I feel that I'm not in personal development. I'm not even in leadership. I'm not in, I don't want to be a speaker. I don't want to be a coach. Or, although I do these things and they're part of the fabric of my brand, I'm really in the healing arts. I'm here to teach people how to heal themselves so we can heal the world. There's so many people who are hurting. Our kids are, are falling to the cracks. And because the adults, the grown-ups, the parents are not being fed, they're failing the next generation. And I, there's this book that says, if you don't feed the teachers, they'll eat the students. And I feel <laughs> like right now it's my duty to be able to raise the vibration of, of men because they're the leaders in the office, the leaders in the home, the leaders in the community and of the, the world. In, in my opinion, it's been for years, you look at the history books, there's always been a man who's led the community, the tribe, by the fires, the Indians. I mean, you, we can go as far as back to the Greek and, the, and Greece and how the men would lead. They were the gods. And I feel like there's just a huge onus that we have, at some point there was an intermission and all the men got up and walked out the room and left our women raising the children and raising themselves. And I'm, I'm here to shift that narrative. And I do that through creating content and community and conversations that invite people back into themselves so they can do their work, heal, make peace with the pieces of themselves and get busy like never got busy before. I'm, I'm very much hmm. committed to that. That's awesome, man. And wow, there's, there's a lot to unpack in there. Yeah. And you know, you you started to lead into this void, which I think is actually the place I really want to focus on. Because mm -hmm. I know for myself, I've experienced that that void and not knowing who I am, what am I here for feeling like compelled yeah. to something bigger, but not quite knowing what it was. And yeah. I've started to look around and see a lot of these men that you just talked about who one day they wake up 65 years old, and they're like, what have I done with my life? I've just clocked in eight hours a day for the past 40 years. And I, what have I actually created? What am I here to leave behind? And so um, what can the men who have had no context for legacy before, haven't even thought about how to start living my legacy today, right now, what can they start looking at as far to get back on track, to get on track with their legacy? Yeah, community, community, community is everything. Men have lost their way because they don't have a community of other men who they can confide in, who they can connect with, who they can consciously be lifted up in a way that they see themselves again, that they are, they are invited back to remember who they are. The only time I find myself experiencing fear is when I forget who I am. And for me, community is where the conversations take place. Community is where courage is injected into, into, into you on a cellular level. Community is where you are seen and heard what we seek so gravely. Community is where we are uh, just gifted so many opportunities to be able to expand and enlarge our territories as men, as fathers, as businessmen, as just individuals who have so much, so many gifts that live within us. And they're not brought out, they're not extracted because we are the only ones in our minds and the only ones in our hearts. We're not allowing other people in to that space. And I feel that community is the answer. And in that community, we have this, 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 this individual or these individuals that I, I contribute so much of my success to, these individuals who hold us high, who call us forward, who speak life into us, these individuals who I call mentors, 
mentors, mentors, mentors, mentorship isn't the answer. It's been in communities that I've been mentored by so many incredible individuals. It's such a huge part of my story and why I've experienced the success I have not only locally, nationally, but globally. I contribute the success that I've seen and have been able to build within my, you know, my nonprofit organization, which you were a part of and have contributed in such a beautiful way. I'm so thankful for with, with the mentor, M-A-N-T-O-U-R, and how we travel and, and, and go into these schools and create rhythmic relationships between these young kids and teach them how to speak with confidence and, you know, character building skills. And it's, it's, it's the mentors that are meant to be looked into for wisdom and not up to for answers. That's the key. That is the key. And if you're a man listening to this, this podcast, I invite you to find a community of other men who can support you, hold space for you to break through those stories that are not serving you and that may be running your life. Mm. That's huge, man. And, and I know that that's a, that's a belief that both you and I share. That's what kind of drew us both together is the 100%. importance of community, the importance of um, brotherhood, really having men that you consider brothers that you have around you that, that can really let you know how you're showing up. And what, one thing that I've gotten from some elders in my community is that if you want to know who you are, look into the eyes of the people around you. Look into the eyes of the people in your community, in your, in your close circles, because they're the ones that can reflect it back to you. We may have all these beliefs around who we are and what we think we're doing, but until you actually ask, you never really know. And, and sometimes you're surprised to find out what people say. Have you had that experience? Daily. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and also, it's, it's a hum- it can be a humbling thing, but if you really have people around you who, who you trust, then it's, it's a powerful, powerful tool, powerful tool yeah. to get that information so you can, so you can address and, and show up the way you want to. Um, and that's actually great, man. We went from legacy into mentorship. Um, it sounds like there's something missing here. Like there's something that a lot of men are missing when it comes to legacy, when it comes to mentorship. So, so what, what are some of those things that you see? Because you work with a lot of men. What are some of those things that they're missing that would help them correct their course a bit more? This is what I'll say. A lot of men experience moments. These moments where we're 16 years old, we're in the mirror at home, and dad walks by the mirror and says, what are you doing? Get out of get out of the, the mirror with your ugly ass or we're in school and you get teased or pushed by a bully. There's a moment or you're with a girl and she breaks up with you and it just completely breaks your heart or you're playing sports and you get injured. We, we have these moments where it, it, it's an event, it's an event, an encounter or some experience. And these events in, encounters and experience turn into I, our identity. We begin to embody the moment. And we take on the moment. So when I was a kid, I remember I was being teased and picked on. And this kid called me a faggot in the schoolyard. And everyone was like, oh, and they were joking. And I started to question, am I? Well, maybe I am. You know, I hang out with girls and I'm very effeminate. And I started building a supporting, supporting characters for this story that someone created for my life. I started painting the scenery. I started creating the book cover and like really solidifying this narrative. Like this is, I'm gonna, I'm running with this story. This is a New York best time selling book. book. And we, that happens so often. And I, and I think the challenge for us, again, it goes back to the fact that we don't know who we are. We don't spend enough time with ourselves. And in traveling global, globally, some of the issues that I see with men are 
as follows. One of the biggest challenges are feelings of inadequacy. A lot of men just feel generally inadequate, sexually, emotionally, spiritually, financially in relationships. They don't feel that they are showing up as powerfully as they can. They don't know why, they don't know how they got there, but they just feel inadequate. And because of that, they take on this imposter syndrome, if you will. And mm. because I'm crushing it in business and I'm making $100,000, I had to let everybody know that my, the rest of my life is okay. It's not in shambles. So I post photos of me and these girls at the club smoking and drinking and me on the beach with friends and this luxury lifestyle that I'm living and pretend as if everything is great. Or I'm in a great relationship, but I'm struggling financially making $30,000 a year at this part-time job. And I, don't, I can't provide for my partner. And I feel like she's going to leave me any day. Well, they're going to leave me any day. And I don't know what to do. So I have to pretend. And we wear these masks. And in that process, we lose a sense of power in ourselves. And we're disempowered. And so the only time we feel powerful is when we're in power. And so we try to overpower our relationships and overpower friends and overpower employees at work or, or coworkers at work. And we become this power hungry, transactional, cold hearted guy. And we, we're not ourselves in the world. And because we kind of shut down and we're, we're closed off emotionally, we have an inability to receive. We don't know how to receive as men. And when we don't receive, we break the cycle of giving. And the getting is in the giving. And so if we're not giving as men, we don't receive love, we don't receive finance, we don't receive the things that are ours. And ultimately we end up alone. And there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. If you don't know how to be alone, then you will only ever always be lonely. And most men don't know how to be with themselves. And it's when you are with yourself that you discover who you are. Herein lies the problem. <laughs> Woo! Oh man. Uh, the guys who are listening right now, I hope you guys, let's just take a moment to catch your breath because yeah. God is dropping some heat. I know this, is a, this is a lot. You have to listen to this a couple of times, <laughs> but it's, it's deep stuff. And it's I, good. I'm so passionate about it. And just, again, sidebar tangent. I suffered silently, Jetty, for like 26, 27 years, not knowing who I was, questioning my identity, you know, questioning if people love me, you know, friendships, overthinking, underthinking, living in my head feeling so much pressured, like feeling, crying and crying by myself, spending nights at home. I mean, like hurting, hurting, feeling gravely lonely, like really lonely. And I, I can't say that I had suicidal thoughts, but I, I was damn near on the edge of that conversation. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to turn. I don't know. Who do you talk to about stuff like this? Men don't have issues. Men don't see therapists. Men don't have coaches unless it's, it has to do with sports. Where do I turn to? And then you feel like nobody else is going through this. This is, I'm, I'm the only one. I'm the only one, you know? And I don't want to give anybody any leverage to be able to say, oh, Javon is this or Javon is that. And so you keep it to yourself. And so many men are keeping it to themselves and suffering in silence. And they're not the only ones paying a price. Their family's paying a price. Their friendships are paying a price. Their finances, and they're losing. We are, lo we are winning the losing game as men. When does that stop? And so, I'm, yes, I'm on fire. Yes, I speak with conviction. Yes, I get excited about this. And, and I do go on tangents because I, I, I'm so committed to men healing. And again, this is a big part of my legacy is I'm in the healing arts. And so 
I, as I work through my own healing, I support others in theirs. And as I support others, I'm working through that of my own. And so it's this amazing virtuous cycle where there's just so much healing taking place for everybody involved. And that's the type of communities I'm, I'm committed to creating a self-healing, a self-cooking oven, if you will. So that's why I travel to London and Australia and to, and to you know, to, to Canada and Morocco and, you know, Italy. And I, I go to all these places because I'm those who will win. And I'm looking for those who will do the work. And I'm happy to let those and coach them and train them and teach them so they can live and lead their best life. Yeah, man, it's it's so clearly clear to me that you're doing amazing work in the world. And one of the things when you were just sharing that experience of when you were, before you had that enlightened moment, before things started to switch gears for you, I think you did a really great job describing what it feels like to be alone, what it feels like to be hiding behind a series of elaborate masks and smoke screens that we, as people, but specifically as men, that we put up for all the different reasons. Uh, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm glad that you shared that because a lot of guys out there, I'm sure, are hearing this, uh, may have heard some of the language, you know, wearing a mask, hiding out, but they don't often hear other men describe what it, what it feels like. So in leading off of that, I want to see if you can go back in time and tell us about the moment that things began to switch for you. you know, tell us, tell us the story about when, when you found yourself in the depth of that lonely place and not really knowing how to pull your way out of it. What what shifted gears for you? Yeah, I I, I got tired. A few things. If I got tired, I just got tired. It's exhausting. It is exhausting not knowing who you are. <laughs> I'm gonna say that again. It's exhausting not knowing who you are. I was. Tired of hearing the successes of other men, if I could be quite frank. I was tired of not having the answers and being okay with it. I was tired of playing from behind and playing not to lose. I was tired of getting all these compliments as to how great I was and how grounded I was and how big of a heart I had, but my finances did not reflect that. I was tired of not having the autonomy that I have craved the entirety of my life to come and go as I please to work for myself. I was tired of watching other people win and I sit jealous or envious or confused as to why I was not there yet. And I think one of the walls that I hit is I was living in here in Los Angeles and I had gotten to three car accidents within like a nine month period and totaled my car on the last one. And it was like, life kept having me hit these walls. And I'm like, why is this, what is happening right now? I haven't got to an accident all of my life. It was like, life was trying to slow me down because I was in a rush to go nowhere. Mm. And I had no sense of direction and I had no real, you know, relationships that were supporting me or community rather that were supporting me and getting clear as to where I needed to run and how fast and at what pace. And in addition to the three accidents, I was living in an apartment and they had uh, new management and they wanted to double the rent where I was staying. I was like, I can't afford my life right now. Like the simple things. I'm eating tuna fish sandwiches and pretending like I have it together while behind the scenes I'm holding it together. And I had called a friend and they had offered me to crash in their garage on a couch in the garage. And I had hung up the phone and sat on the couch of the apartment I was staying in and I thought, has it really come to me 
considering, actually considering crashing on a couch in someone's garage. Like what is happening right now? Mm. What is happening? Like Javon, what is happening in your life right now? What are you refusing to see? What are you pretending not to know? Like what is happening, bro? And I was probably for the first time in my life with myself, not alone, but with myself. And I had a courageous conversation about what it was that I wanted. And I began dancing with this, these two words that have changed the game for me. These two words that have opened up so many doors and have given me so many opportunities that I never imagined. They have created doors where walls once existed. And those words are exquisite honesty, being exquisitely honest about where I am. And as men, it's hard for us to be honest about where we are because admitting where I am is feeling the pain, is taking on it. When I'm honest, it becomes real all over again. And I don't want to deal with this. So I leave my body and I leave my mind. I leave my heart. I leave my experience and I'm aloof and I miss out on all the opportunities. And so in being exquisitely honest, I... You know, the best example I can give, more concrete example, is if I'm on if I'm on sixth and main and I call an Uber and say I'm on seventh and main, the vehicle that's intended to bring me to my destination will never arrive if I'm not honest about where I am. And I spent a lot of time not being honest, which is why my car is crashing, why my rent was being raised, why it seemed like the world was imploding on me. And I spent the last five years dancing with exquisite honesty and it has changed the game for me so much so that I joke and say that vulnerability pays my bills. I've been so willing to be honest with myself, with others, and take on this thing called personal responsibility. And I've become delusional about what I want and I'm unreasonable when it comes to taking on my vision. And I have a community now and I have friends you know, you being one of them who has redefined what friendship even means. You know, when you have people in your life who have redefined words, that's a life worth living. That is a life worth living. And it's changed for me because I've been willing to go the distance. And when you have a community, it changes the depth, the direction of your life. Oh, yeah, man. I, mean, I can relate to that entirely. And, um, you know, the piece that really sticks out to me is the spending time with yourself and really getting to know yourself. I, on, on my own journey that I've spoken about on this podcast before, I didn't, I got to a point where I didn't really like myself. I, I really didn't. I mean, forget self-love. I didn't even have self-like. I wasn't even in that ballpark. In fact, everyone around me would tell me how, how wonderful I was, but yeah. there was that loneliness that you described uh, on the inside because I wasn't willing to go there. So I know, if it's, if it's you and it's me, I'm sure it's many other men out there who are not willing to go to that place what would you recommend to someone who is maybe for the first time hearing this saying, wow, I really don't spend time with myself. I really don't listen deeply to myself. What are, what are some ways that they can go about doing that for the first time? Hmm. You know, this is something that I, I love talking about because the question that we avoid most often is where do I begin? Hmm. Or what's the next obvious step? Okay, I know I'm in pain, but what's next? I know I'm not where I want to be, but what do I choose from here? What's the choice I get to make? And of course, there's not one answer that fits every box here or fits every man. But what I would say is the first step is really being honest. Where am I? 
where are you? Where are you financially? Where are you emotionally? Where are you physically? And if you can be honest about where you are and then take some time and to be honest about what you desire, how much money do you want to bring in? Where do you want to live? What zip code? What area? You know, what does a relationship look like for you? And then to begin, once you have clarity in those two areas, the key is then to surround yourself around people who can encourage the life that you desire to live. And it's been the mentors in my life. It's been the brothers in my life. It's been the masterminds and the workshops and the trainings that I have attended that have opened my mind and heart and have brought about new levels of awareness of self and, and of the world that have caused me to step into and be courageous about the choices that I make. You're one choice away from your entire life changing. It's hard being in a dark place. It's hard being in shameful and, and dancing with guilt and shame and all, those, and all those emotions. But it was one choice that got you there and it'll be one choice that takes you right out of it. So stay hopeful, stay encouraged, stay focused on the things that you say that you desire. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep a fixed glance on the words you use. Be conscious of each word that comes out of your mouth. Be responsible for each choice that you make because it could be a choice that takes you to a whole new level or takes you out. It's really up to you. Yeah, man, I, lo I love that piece about being choiceful and, and deliberate. You, you've, you've known me long enough to see me make a couple of those decisions on my own. Mm -hmm. and, and so you can attest to my path and likewise, same for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you touched on it a bit before when we started talking about communities and brotherhood and having people around you, your circle. And I know relationships is a big thing that you've been researching and getting to the bottom of why relationships are so important. So um, can you speak a little bit to that and, and what you would want other men to understand about the importance of relationships? I would love for people to take on the task of becoming relationally wealthy. I'm in the process right now of launching my first book, and I've been working feverishly and, and I got sticky notes all over the walls and I've got markers and crayons and colored pencils and just ideating over here and brainstorming and, and, and mind mapping. And what I mean by relational wealth is often men focus on the finances. If I have finances, then the woman will come. If I have finances, then I'll have the house and lifestyle that I want to live and I'll eat what I want. We focus on the finances, becoming financially wealthy. But what I've discovered is that any man in my life, mentor, friend, brother, that has experienced success, if you listen to them on how they got there, it's often because of a relationship, someone who opened the door, someone who returned an email, someone who they stood in line with at Starbucks, someone who they sat by a fire with, someone that they met at an event, someone that was in the room at the right time, in the right place, someone. It wasn't something, it was always someone. And what I've been, been really diving into is, wow, moving to Los Angeles was because I knew someone. Attending Skidmore College was because I knew someone. You know, going and, and buying this car because I knew someone who had this car and I liked this car and I drove this car. It was always someone who got us into the school for the mentor, who opened the door for me to go to London and, and start building community there. It's always someone. Mm. And if you take a step back, it's well known that we're a reflection of the people we spend the most time with. It's less well known how to choose those people. And that's exactly what my book is about, is identifying the relationships that are gonna support you in living and leading your best life. So I feel mm. that 
if I can invite men who listen to this podcast to do one thing, one tangible step is to be conscious and selective of who you choose for your life. Being an athlete, you didn't make the team unless you tried out. We give out jerseys so easily nowadays for people to join our teams. And we look up at the scoreboard and we look up at the, the brackets and wonder why we're losing because we've chosen people who are not qualified to be on our team. And we're disqualified, disqualified from a lot of opportunities because the people we've chosen are unqualified to be there in the first place. So I, I love talking about this and I could, I could rant and rave for months on end about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the key. That's the key for me is relational wealth. Beautiful, man. Well, thank you for that, that little teaser of, mm-hmm. of your book. I know um, as, soon, as soon as that's ready to launch, we'll have to bring you on here again to speak oh, yeah. more onto the subject and get all the men out there hyped up to support you. 100%. Um, so as we start to wrap up here, I wanted to try and bring a through line uh, through the interview that we've done here. You know, we started started off by having you define the difference between a boy and a man. You spoke a lot about legacy and relationships and community. So let's try and reduce it down to some real simple takeaways for, for men. If there were three things that you would uh, go back in time and tell a younger version of yourself, what, what, are, what would those messages be? What would you want a younger version of you to hear? Be gentle with yourself. I wish someone just came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, be gentle with yourself. I wish I heard that sooner. Why? Because I have been my biggest critic. I have beat myself up more than anyone could ever beat me up mentally, physically, spiritually. And it has caused me to hide out and play small as a result. And if someone told me to be gentle, I wouldn't have taken things, people, life so seriously. I'm just learning that now in my late 20s, early 30s, to be gentle and to take life on, but not take myself out in the process. I think the second thing that I would say to my, my younger self or someone younger than me is there are many languages that we can learn, Spanish, French, Italian. I mean, the beat goes on. But the one language that I would invite you to become fluent in is vulnerability. Vulnerability has opened up so many doors for me, has created an amalgamation of opportunities, has really caused me to know myself that much more. And if you will endeavor to be vulnerable, maybe with just one person in your life, choose one person and dive deep with them, and you practice that, and you begin embodying the language of vulnerability, your entire life will transform right before your eyes. And the third thing that I would say is to learn to like yourself, to then fall in love with yourself, and then invite others to do the same. But Mm. something you said even earlier, and you said so casually, is self-love, shit. Self-like is hard enough. And it's so (laughs) true. It's so true. So I I would really encourage men to learn to like themselves because how we view ourselves is directly correlated to how people view us. And at 30 years old, I can say with no hesitation and with 
every inch and cell of charisma in my body that I love myself. And I think that I am absolutely grand. And when I go to the mall, I hold my hand. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I really do love myself. I know that I'm a phenomenal person, that I'm grounded, I'm well-spoken, I'm well put together, I can dress, I can dance. I can speak clearly and, and communicate what I'm feeling. It's taken years to get here. And there's so much more space for me to grow and to expand as a man. But I really do love myself. And I, and I know as a result, people have fallen in love with me and my being, not me as a man, but as my soul, my spirit, because I have a relationship with my soul and my spirit. And I think more men need to. And they get to make peace and heal those broken places inside of themselves. Those places that we avoid, those homeless places that we don't even spend time visiting and being with. And it's such a gift, not only to ourselves, but those in our lives, those that we love, those that will come to love. And it's, it's, it's very important that we do so and do so not only... I say genuine, genuinely, but do so with urgency. Urgency. There, there there's, has to be urgency in what we do as men. And I think that loving yourself is definitely top of that list. Right on, brother. Well, I love that list. Uh, I just knew you had some powerful words to share at the end there. Usually I only give people one, but I thought I'd give you three. <laughs> give, <laughs> give you the space to expound on that. Um, and, and lastly, man, a, a question that, I myself often um, find difficult to answer, and so I challenge all the other men who come on the show to do that, it is what do you think it means to be a man in the modern world right now? Hmm. To be a man in the modern world today, February 2018, is to show up. Presence. Presence. Being there is everything. It's not... 90% or 98%. This I think showing up is everything. If you show up, you'll figure it out. The universe will provide, people will provide, you'll be supported. Show up to your life. Show up in relationships. Show up as a father, as a leader, as a as a as a man. Just show up. Be there. Be here now. Presence, a powerful presence requires that men be powerfully present. So showing up is what it means to be a man nowadays. If you just show up as you are feminine, masculine, gay, straight, black, white, yellow, brown, purple, show up. Just show up. That is more than enough. More than enough. Well, knowing you for almost three years now, I can, I can attest to the fact that you play big and you show up with your full self and everything you do, man. That's something that I admire and it's something for many men to, to model themselves after. So thank you for showing up and bringing your full self to this audience, this podcast, this community today. Um, last but not least, how, can, how would you like the people who are listening right now to follow you, to track you, to work with you? 100%. You can find me online at JavonLankford.com and you can follow my journey in photos on Instagram at Javon Langford. Uh, you can give me a call at 508 no, <laughs> 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 or shoot me an email at choosehire at gmail.com and I'm happy to explore supporting you in your personal professional journey and supporting you in healing so you can live and love and lead your life from the heart.
thank you so much for having me on here, Jenny, and supporting me and creating a platform for leaders like myself to be able to share their journey, their experiences, and the lessons they've learned for the benefit of those who desire to take their lives on. I truly appreciate it. Well, likewise, right back at you, brother. It's an honor to have you on the show, and thank you for bringing your full self and everything you got for the benefit of others, man. It's, it's inspiring to watch you. Awesome. Let's make it happen. All right, brother. Until next time, take care. Cheers. There you have it. What a powerful episode. Javon is such an incredible speaker. He speaks from the heart and brings his full self to every single thing I've seen him do. Really amazing to see how he speaks about our ability to live our legacy right now and not to wait until our life is over for people to start talking about what we've done. And the importance of having mentorship in your life and really bringing communities of men together. It's been his mission that I've witnessed in his journey so far. You guys know that that's my mission with this Rising Man podcast here and this Rising Man community. So I hope you guys got as much value out of this interview and this conversation as I did. I look forward to bringing Javon back on in the future to jump into some more juicy pearls of wisdom. For now, guys, make sure that you can check out this episode and other episodes at therisingmanpodcast.com. While you're on the website, make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter so that you can get the most recent updates about new episodes, new content, new opportunities to engage with our growing community. Also, guys, please, please, please leave a review of this podcast. It really helps other men, other people, other listeners find this material, this information. So give us an honest review of what you think. I go through every single review myself to make sure that I am producing the best possible content for all of you out there. So please take the time to do that. It only takes a few minutes. Also, make sure if you guys are on Facebook, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community. The URL for that is facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. And this is where all of the episodes are going to be posted. I'm going to be facilitating conversations every week about some of the topics covered in those episodes, as well as creating all types of conversations about what it is to be a man right now in the world and how we can get focused up on our individual missions to be the best men we can be. So make sure you go over to the Facebook group and check it out. Join today if you're not already part of the community. And lastly, please reach out to us on Instagram at the rising man pod, or you can hit me directly on my personal Instagram at Jetty Azuma. You can also contact us on our website, again, the rising man Leave questions, leave comments. We want to know how this is landing for you, how this is serving you. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out as always to my man, Sean Offenbach over at less than three records. He is my audio engineer. He's the one who makes me sound good, who makes these podcasts sound good. And uh, he's over at less than three records. That's three spelled out less than three records on Instagram. And until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.